1: classic. Give me some and Happy Thursday, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sauter Show. I'm Rory Sauter, your host. Great to be back with all of you. I have missed you all since Tuesday. We had a fantastic show on Tuesday. Everything you could want in a show. Perfect guests. Amazing dialogue. Uh, just great flow all around. I mean, we, we mesh so well and really never run out of things to talk about. Uh, the show just keeps getting better and better uh, we 're listened to in twenty five different countries on nearly seventy online platforms and everybody, if you miss any past clips past episodes or any twenty four seven breaking news coverage visit my media site the next N-E-X, gen, G-E-N i 'll tell you though guys we 've got a lot planned for the future of the Rory Sodder show and very thankful how far we 've come and how evolved uh, it's, it's transitioned to, into, you know, it's, um, it's quite something. Uh, the weekend is approaching. I hope everybody's week is going well. Obviously, a lot of us are uh, quarantined and uh, staying inside and trying to avoid public places as much as possible. Uh, definitely an, an issue in our society. But other than that, uh, you know, uh, it's been quite the week. It, 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 it has. And uh, headline after headline, story after media scares. You know, the, the, just the unnecessary drama on all levels. Uh, we're definitely going to be getting into a lot of, of these uh, various narratives uh, tonight that the, uh, the bullshit, uh, you know, rag mag media has been trying to uh, use uh, to, to fear monger, uh, you know. Uh, but anyways, guys, um, a lot, a lot going on with, the, um, with, my, with my life, obviously. Everybody knows in a couple weeks. I will be starting at Salem radio, AM radio, her, in your car. You can listen to it everywhere. I mean, it's all across the nation. Some of the biggest names do shows there. Uh, Larry Elder, Hugh Hewitt, Sean Hannity, um, Sebastian Gorka, uh, the, the, the list goes on. I mean, this is a place that I am so uh, thrilled to, to be a part of and, and so fortunate and honored. You know, I, like I say all the time, you know, uh, radio was never planned for me. It just became a talent. It became part of who I am. It became part of my livelihood. I picked up the mic one day, and, and here I am. But I, you know what? It's uh, – I love. I love what I do. I love, I love it. I love it. And, um, you know, I see I, – I just keep seeing so much more talent out there and uh, more and more people, you know, speaking up and, and, and utilizing various pla- – their voices is heard because um, we're living – in a time where the government is is more radical and hostile than, than ever before. I mean, we're, we're dealing uh, with third world ideology from a lot of these politicians. And I'll tell you uh, it it can be, uh, if you really want to think in in, in deep detail about uh, how some of these past uh, dictators have ran things with their, you know, communism tactics, it's not something to play around about. And uh, people want to sugarcoat and people want to, Try to rename it, you know, socialism, try to make it sound better. But, you know, socialism and communism, it's all the, it's all the same. You know, you're not going to reinvent the entire program. Um, okay, okay. Um, and, guys, by the way, uh, we got a full lineup tonight, a lot of big guests coming on. We got former senior director at the National Security Council and former Pentagon chief of staff, Robert Spalding, uh, U.S. congressional candidate from California, Buzz Patterson will be calling in. Uh AZ State Senate candidate Garland Shreves will be calling in along with best selling author Sandra Lee. Uh and I have a bunch of people on the panel right now that I am about to introduce. Wanna make sure they're with us. We have writer and activist Sam Tolley with us. Sam, how are you, buddy?
2: I'm doing good, Roy. How are you doing?
1: Uh doing okay, man. Hanging in there. What about you?
2: Well, uh, <laughs> Hanging in there is about all I can do. The governor of California just put a stay-at-home order. Not that there was any place you could go. Um, I've been trying. Martial law.
1: They're trying to put martial law in place, man.
2: Yeah, I've been thinking about, you know, trying to uh, see if I can barter with my neighbors. I'd give them one roll of toilet paper for six eggs, or three for a dozen.
1: Yeah, Uh, it's 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 crazy out there, Sam. I've never seen anything like it.
2: Oh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, I, I don't want to minimize what's going on, but I think the media has really stepped in it a little bit too much, just a little bit too much.
1: I hear you. I hear you. You know, it's a lot of,
2: a lot of scare tactics, a
1: lot of unnecessary drama, a lot of blowing things out of proportion. I mean, you know, you have all these people. Emptying the grocery stores because they think of the apocalypse of the apocalypse is coming. I, I can't stop laughing. I mean, I've never seen anything more absurd.
2: Well, these are the days that I say that Christians stand tallest their knees, and we need to remember whose we are, and not necessarily what's going on around us. Other than that, you can just you know get into a hole and never come out. But for those that believe in the Creator and our Savior, Jesus Christ, um, you know, this is just a stepping stone. We'll get through this, and as Americans, we'll get through this thing indeed.
1: 100%. Absolutely, my friend. And thank you for being with us tonight. Definitely a lot to dive into.
2: Okay. Looking forward to it. Absolutely.
1: Um, And and I I just wanted to take a moment. um, You know, I want to thank, like I do every episode, uh, you know, all my guests, all my co-hosts, sponsors, and audience. Um, I always make that my duty. I think too many people that run radio shows take things for granted. And, you know, once they get uh, heard enough and, 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 and popular enough and, you know, n- not that I'm on the Rush Limbaugh level, but we have a really, a really decent sized following and, you know, it's, it's quite significant, but, I, you know, I'm just, it's, it's awesome. And, and also, I also want to mention to everybody, all my listeners, wherever you are, because we're in 25 countries. I want to know. I want to know about your surrounding areas. I want to know what's going on, you know, with, with, with you know, your communities, because I'm, I'm seeing stuff online right now, and I'm looking at pictures and videos. I I can't even recognize some of these places because of how, how much of a ghost towns they've turned into. I mean, you've got people that are. Wow, I mean, it, look how look how powerful the media is. Just all goes to show. It really does. Corey, how you doing? Uh, I want to welcome to the show. Political operative, activist, doing a lot of big things right now. Corey Jones, what's up, buddy? Hey, Rory, how are you, man? Good, man. How are you? Welcome back. It's been a while.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's been like uh, I think two months now. It's been a—it's been a couple of months, and I'm doing well. You know, I'm. What's uh, been going on? I'm still. Well, you know, I'm still at school. Um, Well, actually, not anymore. So I go to Liberty University for uh, people that don't know. And, um, you know, initially, uh, Jerry Fallon, our president, he was, um, you know, going to do his best to bring everybody back to the university after spring break. However, Governor Ralph Northam, uh, I guess, mandated that he couldn't do so. So Liberty moved all of their classes online. So it's been a it's been pretty hectic, but no, I've been working on some uh, projects and some campaigns recently. And um, actually, I've been working with a uh, Super PAC in Texas as well the past couple of months. And so we've been, uh, you know, breaking voter registration records, um, getting Republicans engaged into the state. Because if you look at Texas, and I, um, it's my home state. It's been uh, turning purple the past couple yeah, of years, and exactly. so we're doing our that
0: best.
1: very to... I mean, if Texas goes yeah. blue ever, we have a lot to worry about, Corey. I mean. I can't even imagine. That's like the most patriotic state in America. That's what red stands for. You know what I mean?
3: Oh, trust me. It it always has, you know? And so, um, you know, I'm doing my best working with uh, some other great patriots down here um, in the state of Texas to preserve this state um, for what it was and and hoping to, um, you know, continue uh, keeping it red in the future. So.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm really happy you're with us tonight. We've got a lot to dive into, and I can't wait to hear your opinions, your thoughts, and you always bring great value to the show, so thank you for joining us.
3: Yes, sir. Thank you. Absolutely.
1: I also want to welcome, uh, I believe he's with us, a good friend of mine. Uh, He's become a good friend of the the show, and he's doing uh, a lot of good things right now. We have pastor and doctor, Rodney Evans. Rodney, how are you, sir? Welcome.
2: I'm doing good.
4: How are you doing today, sir?
1: Uh, Doing well, welcome back We haven't heard from you in a couple weeks What's been new, what's going on, what have you been working on?
4: Well just uh, right now I've just been trying to stay in touch With my congregation, we had called Church Off Sunday Uh, Some people threw a fit over that But I uh, You know, we're in this world And we're supposed to give heed to authority Unless it's going against the word And at this point I've got older people in my church, and I just wanted to protect them. And so uh, my wife's a nurse, so she kind of gets informed every day of what's going on. So we kind of felt like it was the right thing to do at that time. But today I went out, and uh, we go out one time a, a week for grocery store shopping, and they said, I'll just go out today and look around, because they've got her working at home now. And um uh, I'm just amazed at the people that is going out and hoarding up toilet paper. It's
1: just I amazing. can't believe it. I'm laughing. I mean, I'm laughing. I'm like these people are out of their damn cotton picking minds. I've never witnessed anything like this in my 29 years on this earth. Oh, I, it's it's like they think it's the end of the world,
4: and it's not. We, you know. I, uh, I saw some toilet paper, but you know what? I didn't buy any. I saw some water. I didn't buy any. You know why? I don't, I don't need it.
1: Well, believe if it or not, just... this is mind-blowing, but pretty much you know, everybody knows I'm in Arizona, and I'm, I'm, in, like, I'm in the Phoenix area. I'm in a very heavily populated, mm-hmm. you know, popular area, and most of the grocery stores here, not all, but a lot of them, have sold out of toilet paper, and I kid you not, and the Costco line and the Walmart lines are – I mean, <laughs> it's out of a, a horror movie. I mean, it's, it's scary. It's hours sometimes. I mean, I, I, don't, I avoid all these places.
2: I, it's, it's a thing
4: where if people would just take a breath and go to the grocery store like they normally do, they would be plenty of everything. And today I went to a store, and uh, we were getting low on hand sanitizer. So I was walking to the line at one of the stores, and I had got some stuff my wife asked me to get while I was out. And uh, there was some hand sanitizer there, uh, <clears throat> but she had eight of them or whatever. I said, are you selling those? And she goes, no, you can have one. And she gave me one. That's the only ones I could find out while I was out. There was a couple of things my wife said to get, and that was the only thing. She wanted that and Clorox wipe because we're out. Yeah. It's not that we were trying to hoard them. But i right. It's crazy right now. But let me share a scripture. Can I do that real quick?
1: It, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah and then, I, then I'm going to get to the opening opening rants. But yeah, yeah, give you another minute. And then once I'm done with the opening rants, I'll let you give the opinions on all the different topics. But yeah, go ahead.
4: Okay, let me, let me read this scripture to you. It's in John chapter uh, 14. I've got a message on my uh, YouTube channel, a real life discussion yeah. with Pastor Rodney. It's a whole sermon on this, but this is a scripture. John chapter 14 and verse 27 says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That's what I walk in. I'm, I'm not I going it. to be afraid of what's going on, but peace means safety. It means completion. It means soundness in body. Uh, it means health. It, it basically means God's going to bless you. Uh, So everybody just needs to take a breath and listen to what people are saying. Yes, the news media has blown this thing completely out of proportion, but our president, which I trust, has said, hey, quit gathering as much. Let's get through this, and quicker we get through it, quicker we can get back to some normalcy in our lives. And if people would just listen, this thing would get over so quickly.
1: And and you're absolutely right. You know, Pastor Rodney, the biggest problem is people don't want to listen. Too many people… Are, are too jaded and too stuck in their own ways. And, you know, they, they have all this, this brainwashing from the media. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a yes. big problem right now. But I'm, I'm really glad you could join too. us. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm glad you yeah. could join us, though. Stay on the line. I'm going to get to you right after I do all the, the opening rants and everybody else on the panel. And then you can all give your uh, thoughts on, on each, uh, each headline. And, uh, but, yeah, uh, thank you, though. Thank you for joining us.
4: Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having
1: me tonight. Absolutely. Okay, thank you. All right, everybody. Uh, let's get to it. So I am going to start tonight. Hmm, I'm gonna, obviously, Corona is the main thing we're going to be addressing. So I want to just kind of brush off some of the things that have been happening while this has been, you know, the, the, the main. Obviously, this has been all over the media, the main thing everybody's focused on. And, you know, it's a distraction from other stuff. That's uh, been occurring. So let's, uh, let's talk about that first. So it was just announced uh, yesterday in an article, and, and this is, uh, you guys, I mean, this just goes to show how corrupt and how backwards and how unethical and how immoral uh, our justice system is. And how the FBI and the CIA and all these DOJ officials for the longest time from all these administrations have been getting away with nothing but murder. I mean, they can frame whoever they want. They can go after, ruin their family, ruin their livelihood, ruin everything that, that they have. And the whole look at, look at the Flynn thing that just came out. There were people in the Obama administration that were at the high ups that even said, there were people that said, obviously there were a lot in the Obama administration that said Flynn was guilty, but there were experts that did interviews with Michael Flynn saying he never lied to the FBI. Even people that worked for Obama mentioned that and came out and said that they thought Flynn was being treated unfairly, but obviously somebody said, go through with it anyway. Basically, F- fuck him. That's, that, excuse my language, but that's what they said to Michael Flynn in this whole process, along with Manafort, along with all these other people that they put, you know, just I, – I can't – you know, any other administration, anybody else, you know, if this was a Democrat – uh, this, this whole scenario uh would, would be the whole victim victim stance but we're we're the enemy but we're innocent it it absolutely makes no uh sense it makes no sense at all and um you know i can't um i, I can't allow this this whole double standard and neither should any of us we we this this is not something that is um you know, minor or 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 you know something that we should just ignore. I mean, for the longest time, I mean, this was in the the biggest thing in the headline news. They, all these people supposedly were you know uh, involved with the Trump administration doing all these evil things. But the only thing they went after them for were things that had nothing to. And a lot of these people they went after, like Flynn, did nothing. But they were an easy target. They you know this is this is what these interrogators do in these in these law. Uh, situations. You know, they, they get them in a room. They're going to, they tell them you're going to say this. You're going to say that you're going to do this. You're going to do that. We're going to, we'll, we'll we'll try to give you immunity, but even though it may not be true, because they need, they need something Because think about all the millions of dollars they were spending. Think about how much in bed, what they were with the media. Think about how much time and effort they were brainwashing. I, I mean, guys, it's, You know, and this has been going on for years and years. If they've got away with this, they would get away with millions of other things. You know, it's and we don't even know half of the things that they've gotten away with. There's new revelations every day. You know, the whole situation with Michael Flynn, George Papadopoulos, Carter Page is just the tip of the iceberg. You know, and I hope AG Barr. I hope all these people thorough. Thorough, I mean, dig as deep as possible until you can't dig anymore. You know, we know some of these people in the high ups of government are, are, are masters, are masters at covering their tracks. They are. They absolutely are. And meanwhile, you know, they, get, they don't have to pay the price, even if they are found to, found to be guilty, a lot of these people. I mean, look at the visible evidence with Peter Stork, Brennan, Comey, all these people, and not a damn thing happens to them. But General Petraeus and, and people that, you know, who do barely nothing, or, and, and Flynn and Manafort do nothing at all, they, they try to ruin their lives. Such a, it's such a backwards, it's a backwards, backwards system. And think about all the money that was wasted. You know, and all the su- supposed, you know, uh, smoking gun expert witnesses that we're going to crack the code for this Mueller. You remember all these T-shirts? Remember all these slogans? It's Mueller time. It's Mueller time. And you know, what happened, liberals? Another make-believe, false reality, alternate universe, Twilight Zone crap that doesn't exist. You know and the taxpayer dollars i mean how how can you justify or explain wasting all that money on a witch hunt literally because initially don't ever forget they said they were going after russian collusion and when that didn't work they went after all these other things ukraine they tried to go into trump's personal bank accounts it was a fishing expedition from the start it was never about doing the right thing or getting to the rule of law it was about rigging a situation for a, an elected president. They didn't, you know, the fix was in. Think about the FISA abuse. Think about what they took out, you know, with very limited knowledge and lack of evidence and all hearsay. Somebody's going to have to answer to this. And I'm sick of wait. You know what? I, I mean, I'm patient. I get that. But, and we, a lot of us are patient, but a time has to come. And I, and I think a lot of that's going to probably going to happen in Trump's second term. Because, um, you, you know, you, you guys, you know, can only get away with, with stuff for so long. I mean, I, I think a lot – I think there are certain ones that will never see handcuffs, but I think there's quite a few that are going to face the music. Um, but, yeah, this is what we're dealing with, guys. Think about all the subpoenas, all the, all the interviews, all the, all the different stories, all the three years, three years of leading the American public on – of something that never existed. And Trump, like I talked about on my show the other day, he should absolutely pardon Flint, And he's already talking about it. He's already really uh, strongly considering it because how convenient is this? The people that were involved with the case apparently re- lost the paperwork. Oh yeah. They lost certain paperwork, basically detailing and, and specifying what they were trying to uh, go after him for. Oh, yeah, yeah. How, how, how ple, how, how convenient. You know, th- th- there is so much wrong here. You know, and I, you know, all these people were proven to be innocent after the fact. After these people ruined their lives. I mean, look at Carter Page. Look at Papadopoulos. Look at Flynn now. I mean, even Roger Stone. Roger Stone may have done stuff in his past life. I mean, I get a lot of these people, these businessmen, these high end. Prolific individuals were, you know, involved with the mob in the 80s and stuff. But that was a long time ago. I mean, R- Roger Stone, you know, I, I, nothing with Trump, though, and his campaign he's guilty of. But, you, you know, that, that, that's, who, but that's who these high-ups are. They want to go after people for stuff they did 30 years ago. You know why? Because they can. And then I, I love Roger Stone's dedication and his love for the president and just the, the loyalty of the friendship. Because I'm sure they got Roger Stone in a room, and they said, "You know what, Roger? Are you going to comply?" And you, you remember what Roger kept saying? "No, no, I I got nothing to say. I'm innocent. Trump's innocent. You know, you got you guys. You guys are going nowhere with this." It's true. Uh, let's see here. Um, so <clears throat> here's something really pissing me off, and I'm gonna really go on a rant here because uh, this should make anybody, um. Live it the airlines and, and these whole bailouts I, i'm just i am you know these these airlines and all these different situations where you know taxpayer dollars that they come in they're greedy as hell a lot of these the money they get especially with the bailouts they just go in with the and use it on their stock options i mean think about how much money they've made on stock and all all this money that, that they, they they have, and they how many bailouts they've gotten in the past, and just because of a bad couple weeks, you're going to ask for 50 billion with a B dollars, you know? And and Trump's it looks like as of now, Trump is leaning towards maybe doing something like that. And you know, I'm I was reading numbers the other day. Uh, let me get let me pull this up real quick because this was from uh, the news the other day. On buyback, buybacks. The biggest U.S. airlines spent bulk of free cash flow on stock repurchases. These people are not bankrupt. They're not hurting. They may have taken a slight hit, but they're not, you know, gonna gonna. They're not gonna die. They're not gonna go under. And we all know this is a perk and something they take advantage of and they capitalize on because they want to enrich themselves. And I have, I love capitalism. I love it. I think it's the best part of the American dream, but we can't deny how greedy and how evil some of these high end, you know, I mean, it's just like you got, you guys get it. to your right. I get you have that privilege. You have that benefit considering you're such a huge entity and industry, but you know, it's, it's one of those things that I, uh, I don't take lightly, you know, think about all they, all they have. Think about just, think. I mean, and I didn't like the Wall Street bailout. Remember that in 2008? I mean, you can you can kind of compare the two. I mean, they're somewhat not, not exactly similar, but kind of a, you know, it, it relates in a, in a strong way. I mean, you had all these people that owned small businesses back in those days suffer, and all these big banks who were rich as hell, giving out loans like candy, got taken care of, and they had nothing to worry about. You know, we, we don't ever forget we pay. The, the reason airlines exist is because of us. Because of us. It is. And, and you know what? This isn't even me sounding liberal. This, this, this is not anything. That I, and I wouldn't even go. And anybody messages me later on one of these stupid ass Twitters or Facebook telling me that I sounded soft on this. No. No. I mean, I, you know what? It, uh, you you got to draw the line. You got you to really uh, take action on, on something like this. And you know, really, there needs to be limits. I mean, how, how is that fair when they have, when they, all they do, you, you heard what I just said, about 80% of the money they're going to get, we all know they're just going to put back into stock. They're not using it for anything, you know, to, and maybe 10% of it they'll use to, you know, put back into what some of, some of their losses, but 50 billion would it be coming out of taxpayer dollars? Jesus. I mean, what do we, Jesus Christ. Um, let's see here. Okay. Here's something very interesting. And I, and I, she opens her mouth way too much. And she's such a, a just a smelly slob. And I, I despise everything about her. She's about as corrupt as any female can get. Hillary Rodham Clinton. Um, she made a statement the other day. But, uh, saying that she wants, with this corona thing going on, everyone to vote by mail, can you imagine if we put that into place? if that legislation actually went through? It's not a legislation. it's not even it, she just recommended it. It's not like in talks right now in Washington or anything. but can you imagine if that's how we lived, and that's how everything was orchestrated and, 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 opera, and how the and how things were operated? I mean, there would be voter fraud every single second. I mean you you would have all these places. All these different uh, voting areas doctoring the ballots and doctoring the – I mean, you can't you – can't, think about all the voter fraud that already exists. Think about all the gerrymandering that already exists. Think about how many places you can go and you don't even need to show an ID. Think about all the people that vote multiple times. Think about all the dead people that vote. Think about all these people that are felons that are getting allowed to vote. We already have enough problems in our in our voting system, and we need legislation to protect it. We don't need more by creating more uh, counterfeit, doctored, uh, you know, uh, ballots. Uh, you know, this, that's what, that's how this would work. We we know the Democrats, you know, for the most part, in terms of dark money and, and just control in politics, you know, they they have it. Uh, you know, for, I mean, you think about special interests. You know, how the media is controlled, how, you know, Wall Street, all these different, you know, situations. So I think that's a very, very dangerous statement. I think that woman loves to hear herself talk. Um, it's obviously never going to happen. Uh, but, yeah, just, just so ludicrous. Okay. Um, so you know who I'm really getting tired of? I'm really getting tired of Hollywood celebrities not being held to the same standard as others. You know, for instance, uh, smelly feminist, looks like an alien jack-o'-lantern, Chrissy Teigen, uh, went on Twitter the other night and uh, tried to, you know, use a bunch of expletives and vulgar language towards our first lady. And, he, I, and her husband, I, I can't stand that guy either. He lo- he, he's like the Keebler elf. He, he's, he's about five, to a lot of shit. Uh, big big wimp though. I mean, if anybody saw that guy in the street, I you know, I mean, what, what's he gonna do? I mean, the guy is like he he can't he can't fight. He he he's he he's one of those guys that you want to just throw in the locker. You know what I mean? He's like that guy you just want to grab and just throw in there and lock the door and never open it again and hear him scream like a little whiny baby. Have you ever heard his voice? I mean, you know, obviously he has a good voice, but he's such a weasel and he and he sucks and he sucks up to all these these women groups, I mean, the guy probably, and I, you know, I don't want to get vulgar here, but I don't think, uh, you know, he's the pitcher. I think Chrissy probably, um, you know, does certain things to him, you know, but that's not my business. Okay. I don't, I I don't think there's enough masculinity in Hollywood in these people. And I don't think there's any class or ethics, especially from these liberal actors like Chrissy Teigen, Trying to go after the president, you know, and this happened, this has happened with people like Chelsea Handler, the slob, you know, remember her, remember her, she, you know, there was a video out of her getting peed on, and then she wants to talk about how our first lady lacks respect and lacks, um, um you know, just all elegance, I mean, oh yeah, okay, I mean, these people are the definition of hypocrites, you know, they want to say everything wrong with our president, they want to say everything wrong with our White House, but they are the people that are actually guilty of what they're trying to accuse, accuse everybody else of, you know, they, they don't, um, they don't set the principle, good principles or, or the standard working class, loving American. There is no way, you know, you got that 20% in Hollywood or 30% that, you know, is, is for us and, and, you know, advocates for us, but, when you got that 70% dominant, 80% dominant industry, it's tough stuff. It's tough stuff. But Chrissy Teigen, I mean shut your mouth. Literally shut your mouth. You're a slob, you're a feminist, you're an idiot. You can't even spell. You can't even form a complete sentence. You know, you 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 you, you think that um you know, we, we, we care, you know, you think that we, we, we li- like, you know, obviously there's people that listen to you, but the only ones that do are the very, very ignorant along with the other, these other celebrities, you know, we got uh, Rosie O'Donnell, the, the pig factory. And then we got um, who else we got? Whoopi Goldberg. And then we got Joy Behar and then we got Megan McCain. And we got all these people, man. I could just go, I don't even want to talk about them, but you know, what, what would have happened? My point is, what would have happened if a white celebrity in Hollywood would have said something to Michelle Obama, dirty, derogatory derogatory tone? Every racist, Nazi, they'd be called, they'd be called every name in the book. But you know what the liberal media does? They, they give praise and they enable these, left, these leftist actors to go after the president and his family. They bring them on CNN. They call them. Uh, Heroes—they call them advocates for the people. Same thing with like people like Alyssa Milano celebrating abortion. You know, like saying it's one of the best things she ever did in her life. And you know, and who are these people? And if they're—it's celebrated. It's sick. You know, and, and I laugh. I, I literally—I can't stop laughing when these people try to give anyone else lectures on how to live their life. You know, these people are telling you you they want gun control. These people are telling you they want all these things. They, first of all, with gun control, they have armed guards. They have people that protect them in all situations. They they talk about, oh, my God, climate change, climate change. Oh, the world's going to end. Oh, no. They fly on their private jets. They drive their Tahoe gas guzzlers. Then they bitch about capitalism. But that's how they make their money, and they drink their Starbucks. They play on their iPhones. You know, it's it's the whole saying of "do as I say, not as I do." Period. You know. Whoa! All right, that was a, that was a big one. Okay. Um. Let's see here. So, what's the next one? What's the next one? Hmm. I'm just looking at everything right here. So yeah I mean as of now, guys the main, the main thing we're getting into tonight because pretty much all the all the other subject matters and headlines I'm looking at that I've, that I've noted down are have to do with corona, so uh, let's dive into that. Um, so obviously, President Trump signed a relief bill with over a hundred billion with a B in aid uh, that's going to go to families that's going to go to people struggling, people that can't go to work right now, that people that are quarantined, people that are you know trying to keep their kids and, and family in check and um, you know really really um, great great thing I mean you know proper action, you know just the president 's heart and, and his mind and, and his agenda is is right on par you know within the first five minutes he was getting on this and he, he and he said i mean he said right away, we will make sure that you guys get paid and that you guys don't suffer from this because it's not your fault, and it's not our fault you know the, the, the this you know, this situation um, is a slight bump in the road. Um, it's not long-term. Uh, I think the economy is going to be back to very, very good in the next two to three weeks. Um, I see everything that uh, Trump has done with this and how he's, you know, uh, put things into perspective and laid everything on the table. He's answered every single reporter's question, all transparency. He hasn't avoided any responsibility he he's been totally fair, and he even, he's even acknowledged that they've been pretty good with him too, um, because you know he's he, he's there. I mean, what what other president have we known that has ever taken a press conference every single day during something like this? Don't forget, Obama went golfing when the swine flu first um, was announced. He was out golfing, and Obama did you know didn't take action strongly or do much until like a month after uh, this this whole epidemic. Uh, you know, what was already was already in the U.S. Trump did it within the first five minutes. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the um, um, what he, everything he's taken, you know, obviously suspending any sort of entry uh, that goes for both borders, uh, the north and south. Uh, Mexico, no, not coming in. And, uh, you know, Canada, no, 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 no traveling right now. And there's even talk that they may they may even restrict it state to state. You may not even be able to go state to state in a second. Um, I don't know. and I don't think he's going to go that far. Um, but here, here's what I will tell you, is that isn't it amazing? Isn't it, like, just miraculous and, like, hilarious that all of a sudden Canada wants to protect the border, Mexico wants to protect their border? You know, this happens, and then they're like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll, we need to shut it down. We need, we need to shut it down. It just goes to show everything's political because Trump. They didn't never wanted to give Trump a win back in the day when he first wanted to protect the border. You know, it should just be about common sense. Shouldn't it be about you know who's getting the better, the the bigger advantage or who's winning, uh, who gets the policy right, and who? I mean, come on, come on, guys, grow up. Um, what else is going on here? So, you know, he he's put a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff here. You know, there is a unfortunately. Uh, which isn't being reported enough, and this really bothers me, is Cleveland is, and Philadelphia are freeing hundreds of inmates because of the coronavirus. Yes, you got that right, people. And, and, and look at how this is all being released from prisons all across the United States right now. And what are Democrat, legislat- Democrat legislators trying to go after? Your guns. Think about that. Leave the good guy defenseless, and then you're going to have all these criminals who are still going to get their millions of illegal guns off the streets. Criminals don't follow laws. This whole whole trend, you know, how this is all kind of coming together, how this is, you know, the Democrats are not playing. You know, people think, oh, you know, you can't, you you, you, got to just relax, Rory. I mean, no, no, I don't. They're, they're, they want to do martial law. They want to do all this shit. They want, who talks, and by the way, what asshole politician talks about taking your guns when people are going through a sickness, a selfish prick, that's who. I mean, you know what, and this is multiple, multiple are trying to put legislation out there in different cities and different states across our country, and, and, you know, it's things are getting dirty, dirty, and um, you know this this whole um, situation with the the um, the coronavirus. Why aren't they talking about? Well, first, before I get to the flu part, the last part I want to mention about this: the Baltimore mayor, the Baltimore mayor is saying that there's not enough hospital beds for coronavirus because you have too many black-on-black crime people shooting each other. And I'm not kidding. There's been multiple shootings in Baltimore the last couple weeks, every single day. And it's filling up hospitals, and that's what the mayor's saying. And the mayor is very concerned. And I'm not really looking at this as a political you know, affiliation thing. You come out and say you're concerned. You know, I respect that and I give him credit for you know, actually saying this is there there are problems going on. Don't don't just sit back in your chair and drink your scotch and you know, say that oh, oh it'll it'll no he realizes and he's telling the news that you know all over. I mean, think about Chicago, the violence in Chicago. Think about how these hospitals are being so badly affected. You've got and even the, the, the machines, look the machines, they're short on machines. And you and this is what's really sad, is you have people that are getting sick from other conditions and other diagnoses and they're going to the hospital and some are being turned away because the corona thing is such a big threat to a lot of these people that are scared and are getting tested. I'm not guys in the hospital. Can you imagine right now? I've not been to to a hospital in a long time. Can you imagine the weights right now? Can you imagine the Wow. I mean, you talk about cattle call. You talk about a Southwest Airlines situation. Jesus Christ. I just, you know, I'm beside myself, and I'm watching the news every single day. And the Italian governor, the Italian governor, and and it's big in Italy right now. We know Italy is the leading uh, death rate uh, in terms of this corona situation. But the governor there, he he says hospitals soon enough will not be available. They will not be available because it's such a high demand. Guys, 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 guys. I um I'm beside myself. But why is it the media? Why why such big hysteria about something like this but not talking about the flu report? death toll, which killed 22,000 people this past year. This past year, 22,000 people died from the flu. Why wasn't everybody going to the grocery stores and clearing out the toilet paper? Why weren't they grabbing all the food? Why? Why? You know why? I'll tell you why. Because it didn't meet the media's narrative. The media is all about money. They're all about profit. They're all about a one-track mind. They're one-dimensional. They have their people, that are throwing money in their pockets, telling them what to report. And I will tell you this for a fact. This coronavirus did not just happen. It didn't. It didn't it, 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 this stuff, you know, it's all planned. It's all part of the New World Order, the elites, the globalists. You know, this corona thing has a patent on it it's owned by a big corporation it was sitting in a lab in china oh wow and then all of a sudden it gets released into the public think about all the billionaires and think about all the people like bill gates who are known to take their medicines and their vaccines overseas to test them on random people and to you know try to i mean bill gates has been up behind so many different things along with Bezos, along with – and they benefit on the back pharmaceuticals. They get – you guys can read about it. I'm not making it up. It's not a conspiracy theory. People in these industries work with China, and not just China, but with anything. I mean, do you think AIDS was actually an accident? Hell no. Look how much money pharmaceuticals have made up HIV medicine. Obviously, there's a cure for AIDS. But they don't want to release it because they know they're making all the money on the medicine. It's the same with cancer. They got cures for cancer, but they make all the money on the medicine. They probably got cures for every other thing too, but they make so much money on medicine. You know how much money pharmaceuticals are going to rack in on this coronavirus? It's not even funny. And those elites, those people behind it, the people that hate Trump and wanted to crash the Trump economy? Money in their pockets. People like George Soros. And I'll tell you, think about think about the timing of this. We just won the trade war with China. China is having one of the worst years ever in like the last, I think, 50 or 60 years. Uh, it might even be 100 years. Trump said it was – I forget what Trump said, but it was something – just a high, ridiculous number. And, uh, you know, they've never – been beaten that badly by any leader like trump beat them and i believe other countries are involved but obviously china the kung flu uh the china virus is the main person behind this so i mean you can't deny that you know that they this is payback this is payback for us and even propaganda media media in china communist china multiple sources have said that this was purposely done there were whistleblowers over there that were trying to give us information, and guess what they did to them? They killed them. China killed them like they do to every other person that tries to talk bad about their government. And I don't, And listen to this. Listen to this. If this is not weird, then I don't know what is. And everybody, to hear this right now. So in the last 30 days, you've had all these CEOs – Resigned, and I'm going to name them for you. Bill Gates has resigned from Microsoft and Berkshire Hathaway on the board. Marilyn Houston, Lockheed Martin, resigned. Pat Sullivan, House Majority Leader, U.S. Congress, resigned. Bob Iger, Disney, resigned. Keith Block, Salesforce, resigned. Asia Benga, MasterCard, resigned. Jason Droge, Uber Delivery, resigned. Greg Hart, Amazon, resigned. Ho- Hubert Jolly, Best Buy, resigned. David Abney, UPS, resigned. Carolite Thomas, Nissan, resign. Victor Kaufman, Expedia, resign. Alan Graf, FedEx, resigned. Steve Ells, Chipotle, resigned. Paul Jacobson, Delta resigned. D.D. Myers, Warner Brothers, resigned. Jeff Dewitt, NASA, and I'm not going to say Jeff Dewitt as much. I mean, I don't know. I, you know, I, I have my, I'm skeptical about him about some things, but resigned from NASA. Jim Murragan, MGM, resigned. The Google CEO, Elon Notton, resigned. Well, actually, I don't know if that's, that's actually one of the main. That's one of the main people. I think they actually. That, that's like one of the, that's like the second or third per, second or third person at Google. Uh, Jeff Weiner, what a, what a last name. Jeff Weiner, the CEO of LinkedIn, resigned. Joe Lennello, CBS, resigned. Randy Freer, Hulu, resigned. There's something odd here. How do all these people resign within a 30-day time frame, all within the Corona? And I don't want to say, you know, this is conspiracy. I mean, I don't, I don't want to spread, false information. I just think there's a lot of missing pieces to the puzzle. I think there's a lot of unanswered questions. I think there's a lot of issues um, with the things we've been fed. And there's a lot of people in China and overseas that are even saying the mainstream media in America has it all wrong and they're totally sending the wrong message. And, and think about this. A study came out 80%, 86% infected with coronavirus in public, are undetected. So you, we probably have a lot more people walking around that have it and they don't get side effects. I mean, literally the only people it affects are people with pre-existing conditions and people in their nineties that are, you know, not well or little babies, obviously, but guys, you know, it's, it's so, so over exaggerated. And the only reason people want to say, well, what about Italy? What about Italy? there is the italy story is so complex i mean they their systems over there are not as um extensive not as evolved as ours i mean way too many variables of why uh their death toll is so high um let's start with um let's start with cory jones Corey jones go ahead buddy political operative and activist Corey jones <clears throat>
3: Hey Rory, um, so I just wanted to speak a little bit about the, um, you know, quite obviously the hot topic at the moment, that being the, um, the coronavirus. And so um, I actually wanted to uh, broach a, uh, the, the topic from a sor- sort of a different perspective. And so there's been a lot of talk recently about um, what we should actually refer to the Chinese virus or to the coronavirus or or COVID-19 or the Wuhan virus as. What should we name this virus? And so President Trump has taken the route of um, referring to the COVID nineteen virus
1: as the Chinese virus, and right.
3: the reason for uh, that is because oh, it, he
1: claims oh. that. Go
2: ahead. Go yeah,
1: ahead. no, no. And I just, I, Corey, I wanted to say real quick. No, you're, and I know you're where you're going with this. The media has gotten so ridiculous that they're trying to say because Trump calls it the China virus, and and you know that it's racist. Even even saying Kung flu virus is not racist, and there's even been the mainstream media that has specified it in that manner but now all of the a sudden they're against it it's crazy go ahead though sorry
3: uh, no no oh yes it's um and, and you know what there was actually a reporter um in the uh white house today that that uh, referred to it as the kung fu virus and talking about the uh, negative impact on that and the racial undertones and trump actually got the lady to repeat it several times it was hilarious um but really I'm actually encouraging people throughout this time to refer to COVID-19 as the Chinese virus. And so there are several reasons for that. And the first is uh, sort of referencing what President Trump has stated, that the Chinese government wanted to blame it on American soldiers. And like they always do, they fail to take responsibility um, for their own shortcomings as a people and as a nation state and as a government. And so President Trump made it absolutely clear that this is not something that you could blame on the United States. And he's shouldered a lot of the blame for how it's spread in the United States, even though I think that he's um, taken reasonable steps necessary in order to prevent this virus from spreading. But that's one of the reasons why I think that we should actually refer to it and purposely do so, refer to this COVID-19 as the Chinese virus. And the second reason that I think we should we should do this is because it's not racist, actually, to refer to a virus by the geographical region from whence it came. Now, the virus came, as we know, from Wuhan, China. That's why it's been often referred to as the Wuhan virus, and it then spread to the rest of the world. Now, instead of being concerned um, with the deadly nature of this Chinese virus, liberals are more concerned about what we call it. But let's talk about a few of the other viruses, actually, that are named after geographical. Um, places of origin and actually the White House just sent out a tweet this evening that sort of highlighted this which I thought was very interesting um, so we've had several viruses like the West Nile virus that was named after the West Nile district in Uganda uh, we also had the Ebola virus which I'm sure most people are familiar with named after the Ebola river in central Africa uh, we've had the Zika virus or the Zika fever rather that was named after the Zika forest in Uganda um, we've had the Alaska fever, named after uh, its geographical place of origin, Lassa, Nigeria. And the list goes on and on. You know, you have the Spanish flu, the camel flu, the Valley River uh, fever, and, and so many others. Um, to this, liberals respond uh, by pointing out the obvious, and that from the list that I just named and from the list that the White House gave, and people are now attacking Trump and the White House for releasing this list, diseases are named off of geogra- geographical regions that are majority non white Now, that may be true, but, however, there have been several other viruses, several other diseases, named after white-majority geographical regions. Now, we've heard of things such as the Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever, which was first discovered in Idaho, which, well, isn't – I guess you could say it's majority white, because it is. Um, You've also had other uh, viruses, such as the Marburg virus, which is named after its place of origin in Marburg, Germany, the Omsk Fever which is named after its place of origin in Omsk, Russia, and um, some other ones actually here in North America, like the Nero virus, which is named after Norwalk, uh, Ohio, its place of origin. And so there are all these diseases named after the majority-wide geograph- geographical place of origin. So it's not a racial thing. It's a geographical thing. And that's what people have to understand. We're actually referring to a virus um, uh, because it, it was birthed in a certain uh, geographical origin. And so that's that's one of that's another reason why I think people uh, should not be afraid, not back down from referring to it as the Chinese virus because it did come from China. It's really as simple as that. And so once again, we are seeing the weaponization of race by radical progressives against truly white America because no one had a problem with referring to the Ebola virus as the Ebola vi- uh, the Ebola virus. Um, you know, I, I guess there were two strains of the Ebola virus. There was one, I think. Uh, you know, during the Obama administration than we we've seen it before, I believe, in the nineteen seventies. And so no one was talking about it then, but all of a sudden Trump becomes president and everything is always racialized. So right. and, 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 and if will... and
1: it's saying if say, and if saying the China virus is racist, then is saying Chinese food racist? You know, I'm confused. Like, what are we supposed to call it? You know what I mean?
3: I exactly right. I know. Where does it where does the food come that's from China? Well it comes from China. That's why we call it Chinese food. I mean there's it's it's really as simple as that. It's not a very complex discussion that we need to have, um, and I think, once again, people are trying to trivialize this topic, and the media is, is um, you know, they're always trying to stir the pot with this administration and cause mass uproar, and um, the Twitter mob comes after the president as well whenever he refers to this virus as the Chinese virus. And so uh, – but, but I think the main reason why we should uh, refer to this as the Chinese virus is because I believe that China – and whenever I say China, I don't mean the Chinese people. I mean the Chinese government, the Chinese government specifically, um, should take the blame for how this virus has been handled and how it's been spread across really the entire globe. And so um, the, the uh, Chinese government actually knew about the virus long before warning the world – and um, the, the Times, which is, a, uh, I believe, a U.K. publication, actually recorded a story that broke, um, uh, broke by, was broke by a Chinese media outlet. I, can't, I, I don't have the, uh, the actual Chinese media outlet's name in front of me, but it was broke by a Chinese media outlet a few weeks ago, I believe or in, in early March. And um, it basically stated that Chinese laboratories identified the virus in late December or mid-December, um, but were ordered actually by Chinese officials to stop tests destroy samples, and suppress the new evidence that they had gathered about the disease. And to keep this information um, from coming out, the Chinese government attempted to censor this story from the Chinese internet, but were thankfully unsuccessful. And so, really, the only reason why we know, as much as we know about the virus right now, is because we've had people that have leaked this information out to the general public, and obviously it spread because the Chinese government failed to release this information um, to the public. And so they should take the blame because they're responsible for it um, spreading in the manner in which it was. I mean, I know President Trump, he's, he's ordered travel restrictions to many different, country, uh, many different countries. He's done uh, as much as he can um, um, to prevent the spread domestically and also internationally as well. I believe that Trump genuinely cares about other countries actually contracting this virus, even though he wants to put Americans first. Um, but imagine what we could have done to prevent the spread of this virus if we would have known beforehand how severe and how – Um, How contagious this virus actually is, and it's truly, it's it's just it's just a sad time that we're living in because the people that are quite obviously most vulnerable to this virus are are um, the individuals that are well the most vulnerable in our society those that are over the age of sixty those that have underlying health conditions. And the mortality rate for that demographic of of people in the United States um, just increases exponentially because the virus attacks weakened immune systems, people with cancer. And so, um, you know, it's, it's once again, I think the Chinese government, as they have for hundreds and hundreds of years, have blood on their hands to the extent that we haven't seen in a long time. And so this is truly their fault. And this is why I encourage uh, people to refer to this virus as the Chinese virus, because I believe the Chinese government needs to be recognized um, for the horrendous manner in which they've dealt with this epidemic.
1: no I agree i agree one hundred one hundred percent and it's one of those things where you know it', it, it with the with these other countries and these other uh, foreign entities in a lot in a lot of different you know in a lot of ways they, they always say it's our fault. I mean they, they never ever they do uh, you know it's it's like why why is the USA always the end of I mean it's just like it's absurd it's childish um but uh, well, well, but yeah Corey did you have, oh no go ahead sorry go go ahead oh
3: yeah no so no what? I was just I was just gonna add on to that. Um, Yeah, once again, it's always about pinning the blame on Americans, and specifically what we see with mainstream media and what we see with the progressive left is to blame it once again, um, to blame um, pretty much everything in this nation on white Americans, on white people and so that's something that i'm i'm really tired of as a white american and i think many white americans are tired of that as well what we're seeing once again is the weaponization of race and when when we should be coming up yeah together and isn't and it, it and no theory, isn't
1: it ridiculous how isn't it isn't it ridiculous how when somebody goes after a white person racially it's not considered racism in a lot of people's eyes and i mean the double standard is absolutely absurd if anybody it, if if ra- if racism is a problem for anyone at, at this point in our in our in our society it's white it's it's white people i mean i'm i'm talking about in terms of you know being you know others being racist towards us we're not the uh, racist ones oh. uh, 100% and this is actually a
3: topic that i'm um very passionate about because what i've been told as a um white american as a um, i guess i don't know if i'm a millennial or uh, Gen Z, I'm not sure exactly what I am, but as a young person in this nation, um, I've been told that I can't talk about race, I can't be um, proud about my race, I can't, um, if I'm if I'm going to speak about my race, which is the white race, then I have to apologize for many of the horrible things my ancestors have done, and um, I completely disagree with that, and, um, you know, every other racial group has individuals and has, has organizations and has caucuses for that matter, that fight for their interests. We have the Chinese caucus, Hispanic caucus, Black caucus, um, but there's hardly anybody out there fighting for the interests of white Americans. And so, if we're going to play identity politics as a nation, which I applaud conservatives for doing their best and trying to prevent, um, you know, the mainstreaming of identity politics. But however, I believe that we've lost that battle, and so we actually do have to play identity politics. I think in modern America, because that's the only way—that's <laughs> the only way that we're going to get anything done. And so there is a double standard with regards to what we determine to be racist and who we call racist. And for some reason, certain individuals, minority groups in this country have been shielded from the term racist. And racism is only ascribed to white people, which is in turn racist in nature to ascribe a specific negative characteristic and act and behavior on a certain racial group solely because of their race. And so that, that's what we've seen in the United States. We've seen People demonize and weaponize race against white people. And so, but really, I think, as you stated, I think the greatest victims of racism in modern America are white Americans. And I think we see that with affirmative action policies. I mean, even at my own uh, university, Liberty University, um, you know, we have individuals in in, uh, positions of authority and students, not necessarily the administration. But we have students that are now trying to implement affirmative action policies in student government, and so this is taking um, this is taking hold of every single institution that we have affirmative action policies and these policies while they were initially designed to help uh, minority communities who have suffered from from a history of, let's just say, white supremacy in our nation. Um, We have then moved past that time. Now we are weaponizing race, once again, actually preventing qualified white individuals um, from taking positions in schools and jobs and universities, institutions, and um, you know that is by definition by, by definition racist in my mind. And um, ultimately, at the end of the day, um, you know our communities, white communities, are suffering the most from high crime, not because we're the ones causing the crime, but because we have a lot of crime caused against us, and we always get blamed for hate crimes in this nation. Um, however, <laughs> we do not actually commit hate crimes at a higher rate than other um, uh, racial communities. And so once again, oh. it's it's a narrative that the media has created to. Um, sort of right. create and designate to this oppressor in our nation, and the oppressor has been designated as white Americans. And sadly, that's not the case. Yeah. And the data doesn't support that. Crime statistics don't support that. Um, you know, just employment statistics don't support that. Nothing supports this false narrative that has been pushed out by the media. And so I think I would encourage people, um, specifically white Americans, to take a stand for. Um, I think, just who they are and who they were created to be. Right. And um, I don't think, no, I I don't think God makes mistakes. And I don't think God has made white people evil. And what's sad is that many leftists, many radical progressives, think that that is the case. They think that we were created to be evil, which I completely
1: right. reject. No, I agree. I agree 100%. And, um, Corey, I want you to stay with us. We've got a lot of big guests coming on tonight. I want you to, I want you to definitely give more opinions here uh, later on in the show. I'm going to definitely get back to you. But – um, tell everybody where they can connect with you on Twitter. Uh,
3: sure. So um, my Twitter is at the Corey. Um, and I'm also on Instagram uh, at real Corey Jones. And um, yeah, just give me a follow on there. Uh, I, I've been sort of taking a step back from social media the past couple of months. Cause you know, I'm in the process of trying to get into law school. So that, that comes first, you know,
1: so. absolutely. Absolutely. One, 100%. Well, Corey, Uh, Stay with us. A lot to dive into. Uh, I I am going to get to everybody on the panel. Uh, I do want to welcome to the show right now. I believe he's with us. We have U.S. congressional candidate who just won his primary in California, Buzz Patterson. Buzz, welcome to the show. How are you?
5: Fantastic, Corey. How are you doing?
1: Doing very well, man. Uh, You just had a big win, man, won your primary. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, it's District 7 in California, right?
5: That's right. Yeah, it's District 7, so that's Sacramento, uh, the capital of Sacramento, of California. So we're Sacramento East, going up into the foothills, uh, Sierra Nevadas. So if you are familiar with California, for the folks listening, uh, Northern California, uh, starting up around Folsom, uh, and and going down south as far as the ranchers and farmers around Wilton and Galt. So Elk Grove, uh, Citrus Heights, uh, Fair Oaks. Um, El Dorado Hills, that, that Folsom, all of there It's a pretty big district. It's pretty. It's pretty um, diverse. We've got, uh, like I said, we've got ranchers and farmers. We've also got a tech corridor there. Um, we've got uh, a, a large population of wineries, uh, <laughs> which is great. Uh, so yeah, we we did great in the primary. So I'm I'm going up against. So I'm the Republican candidate going up against a guy named Ami Barra. He's a doctor, a medical doctor. He's been in the office, uh, since 2012. Uh, so eight years now going on eight years, uh, and, um, we're going to beat him. We, we got uh, within 4%, 5% in the primary. Uh, he's been there forever. He doesn't do anything. He's, uh, a Nancy Pelosi acolyte. He, he votes with her a hundred percent of the time. Uh, just kind of a guy doesn't do much, doesn't uh, stand for much. And, uh, it's time for us to, uh, take California seven back and take California back and give president Trump the house back in in November.
1: Amen, brother. Amen. Um, so the, the big city you cover is Sacramento along with its surrounding areas, the suburbs around there, right?
5: Yeah. So, yeah, so the district is, so uh, Sacramento is split. Um, uh, Back in the day, it used to be solidly red, and then uh, they read through the district line. Sacramento is, is, is an up-and-coming in terms of population uh, center in California. Uh, so we actually, my district actually runs right down the eastern border of Sacramento City. So, uh, And we go up toward the foothills, if you're familiar with Northern California. So we go up toward the foothills. It's a long district. It's a wide district. But we're we're not downtown Sacramento, but we're the suburbs and the ranches and farms that are uh, east, southeast, and northeast. So, yeah, it's kind of a – it looks like Italy. It's kind of a boot-shaped uh, district. Uh, about 600,000 people live there, and uh, it's, it's a purple district. So it's uh, – uh, traditionally, historically, it's been, it's been Republican. It's red. Uh, in the last yeah. uh, seven, eight years, it's, it's become kind of purple, uh, so it's one you – know, if your listeners are, are familiar with how people break down districts, uh, congressional districts, so it's D plus 3, which means it's Democratic plus 3 percent, So, uh, which is – in California, it's about as good as it gets. So that means that there's 3 yeah. percent more Democrats than there are Republicans, uh, which means right. we've got – there's about 8 percent independents. So we've got a, gr- a great shot to, to swing it. And the yeah. primary – again, the primary results are great. We're right there with the striking distance. I think we lost by four or 5,000 votes totally. So, um, so that's not bad. I think we got a real good shot. And, again, the guy I'm going against is, uh, does nothing. And a lot of people – come to me, Corey, a lot of guys – a lot of people I talk to in the district on both sides of the aisle, I mean Re- Republicans, Democrats, independents, they're just so fed up with, with politics as normal in California. Uh, and you know, you you know, in California, the the dynamics are you've got San Francisco, you've got Los Angeles, uh, to a lesser here you've got San Diego, you've got Sacramento. But if you take away the coast, you take away the big cities of San Francisco and Los Angeles. California is actually red, um, and uh, it, so we if we can carve out. Um, you know, another Republican representative in Sacramento. So we have Devin Nunez out here. We've got uh, Kevin McCarthy, the, the uh, minority leader. We've got Tom McClintock. So I want to be the fearsome force. I'm going to be, I want to be the fourth guy in the fearsome force along the east coast, uh, along the east border of California. Well, yeah, no,
1: I, I love it. I love it. And, I you know, when, you, when it's your first time on the show, and, and usually I, I ask this, uh when i when the, when the, when i when i first get you on, but tell us a little bit about yourself tell us kind of your background how it all started for you how you got into this and i know you 've had quite the career quite the resume
5: yeah it's been kind of weird i've had uh i've been a, had a very blessed life so i was uh born and raised the son of an air force officer and a pilot he was in vietnam he uh, he was uh came he was in the air force for thirty three years i came in the air force i was a pilot for twenty years full in combat all over the globe. In fact, in my Air Force, my 20 years in the Air Force, I flew in uh, 69 countries. I saw a tour in 69 countries and six continents. Uh, In 1995, I was asked to come out and interview to the White House to be President Bill Clinton's military aid, Air Force aid. I I was hired for that position. So I carried the nuclear football. Uh, For folks listening, I was the guy that uh, was by the Bill Clinton side with the large black satchel that is the nation's capability to launch nuclear weapons or retaliate. So I actually had an office in the White House and a bedroom in the White House. I was there 24-7 for two years. I was not a Democrat. Uh, That was not part of the job. I was just a military officer that they asked to come uh, serve President Clinton, so I was there for two years. Uh, Left in 1998, just prior to the impeachment of President Clinton. I went academy, was a commander there. Retired from the Air Force in 2001, went to fly uh, commercially as a pilot for Delta Airlines, uh, I flew for Delta for 16 years, and uh, off and on. And during those years, I started writing books. So I've written uh, four uh, nonfiction books about politics and the military. Uh, two bestsellers. My first uh, book was called "Their Election of Duty." It's uh, about my time with the Clintons. It was a New York Times bestseller for six months. It's still uh, selling well on Amazon. Um, yeah, 16 years later. So I started writing books while I was flying for Delta, and um, started speaking as a conservative speaker and a, and a guy, a military guy, talking about uh, the military and politics and how Democrats just don't get it. Uh, that was my experience with the Clintons. I was not close to the Clintons, I, although I live with them. So I, I developed my ideology, I developed my perception of conservatism, and the military and how Democrats just don't get it in terms of our military. So. That's why I wrote books, uh, and, again, I had a lot of success doing that, and I've been speaking across the country for the last 20 years. And then um, in 2016, when my former boss's wife, Hillary Clinton, was going to run for the presidency again, uh, I was a Delta Airlines pilot, and I thought, you know what, I just can't sit on my hands in the cockpit at 35,000 feet and let this woman be our next commander-in-chief. So I retired from Delta, uh, did a lot of speaking in California in, uh, in support of President Trump. Um, and then I was asked by the Republican Party in 2018 to consider running for Congress. Uh, they convinced me it was a good idea, and so I'm running against uh, Amy Barrera now in California. And again, I, I'm doing it because, quite frankly, Corey, you know, when, when you're a military officer, or a military period, you. You take the oath of office to support and defend your country the the Constitution of the United states you you're, you take an oath to, to serve uh, and I served uh, loyally and, and, and faithfully for twenty years. Uh, I never lost that uh, that self uh, that selfless service approach I never lost the uh, the desire to serve our country our nation our republic and uh, when I was asked to run uh, for Congress, I thought this is the next uh, logical step let me Let me go to Washington, D.C. again. I've been to the White House. I know how D.C. works. Let me go to Washington, D.C. again as a representative from California. Let me represent uh, Sacramento, represent patriots across the country, and uh, let's, uh, let's give President Trump the House back.
1: Wow, this, this is this is incredible. I, oh, and by the way, uh, my name's Rory. I, I think you got you mixed up with the previous guest who was named Corey.
5: Oh yeah, kind yeah, of, kind yeah. Of sounds yeah, alike. Rory and Corey. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, Rory. Yeah, I, I know that, and I was listening to you and Corey, and I got yeah. So you're Ro- yeah, Rory. I'm sorry about that. I, you know, but no, I've, no, I've you're on, no, you're fine. No, you're fine, Buzz.
1: But Buzz. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead.
5: Yeah, I was to say I've been radio all day long, and uh, I, I I apologize for that. Yeah, I, of course, you know we were we've been trying to get on the air together for for quite a while now, and I I apologize, Roy. Yet,
1: um,
0: no, no, so, you're, yeah, fine. no been, you're fine. No, you're
1: fine. I no, I no, it's totally no. I I'm not I'm not offended at all. But it's a fascinating life you've lived, though. What a what a story. First, I want to ask you, obviously, the, the best selling book about you living with the Clintons. I mean, you probably saw every single thing they did. You saw them eat. (laughs) You saw them sleep. You saw them shit. You saw them do every single thing. And you talked about in your book, I mean, and, uh, you know, just how he would compromise national security, how he would put certain things at risk. I mean, how he was extremely reckless, you know, just the the darkness behind closed doors. I mean, speak on this, man. And I hope you don't, you know, I'm praying you don't go missing.
5: (laughs) no, (laughs) no. I've been around long enough right now that I think that they would have taken their shot if they, if they, if they'd wanted to, but, but yeah, I mean, that's why I wrote the book and I, you know, in my first book, their election of duty was not really about, I mean, I was there during the Monica Lewinsky stuff. I was there doing the Paula Jones stuff and I was by his side and her side. I mean, I would go uh, jogging with him in the morning. I would go uh, to the golf course with him in the afternoon. I would go on family vacations to Martha's vineyard or, st thomas or you know i would i would be flying in marine one and air force one no matter where he and she went so i i was by their side and what really troubled me and i'll I'll tell your listeners a couple of, of interesting stories so um as an as an air force officer my job was to uh you know to be there to support the office not not necessarily the man so my job was to support the presidency not necessarily bill clinton so that's how I got through every day for two years of just being there and, and being faithful to the office of the presidency of the White House and not, quite frankly, not to, to President Clinton. But I'll tell you some stories. Uh, for example, so, uh, the, so the nuclear football is what I carry. It's a large black satchel, and, it, uh, and every president since John F. Kennedy has had the nuclear football. It's a, it's a, a suitcase. Um, that accompanies the president, Not, not, not well, I would say it's an attache case, that accompanies the president no matter where he or she goes, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, which is why I had to be in the White House 24-7. So that's why he had an office and a bedroom in the White House. So I was by his side. And so the way that the football works is that the, the nuclear, aid, the military aid has the football, the nuclear football, and then the president has what's called the, the uh, nuclear coat. And every president carries those codes, and President Clinton had those codes. Uh, and it's like a credit card-sized document that the president uses to make sure that uh, through the military aid, it's the it's the document that the president can go through the military aid to the to the Pentagon and say and authenticate himself as being in fact the the you know the president, the commander in chief, that he has the ability to actually launch nuclear weapons. So. Uh, in my time in the White House with President Clinton, President Clinton lost those codes. It had never happened. Uh, we never found them. It never happened before. We never found them. Uh, so I had to be the guy that had to call the Pentagon and say, "Hey, the Commander in Chief has lost the nuclear code. So, think about this, uh, Roy. We we had a, a, a time in the 1990s, 1998 to be specific, where. Uh, President Bill Clinton lost the ability, as our commander-in-chief, to either launch nuclear weapons or retaliate with nuclear weapons. It had never happened before. It's never happened since. So, And and, uh, this happened during the Monica Lewinsky situation. And I remember President Clinton's – his priority was uh, not so much that he had lost the codes, uh, and we we turned the White House upside down trying to find them, but that he wanted me to make sure that, that that information did not get to the press. Uh, And I promised them that it wouldn't get to the press until I retired from the Air Force in 2001 and then wrote my best selling book, and it's all in there. So, uh, you know, when I was in the military, you can't, as an active duty member in the military, you can't talk, you can't really talk politics, you can't really be disrespectful to a senior authority, a politician, and I I certainly couldn't be. So, my boss was, was President Clinton, so I couldn't be. Uh, disrespectful uh, to the commander-in-chief, and I told him I wouldn't say anything about the fact he had lost the codes, Uh, but he did. And when I retired from the Air Force and did legally talk about it in 2001, I put it in my first book, Election of Duty. So that's the kind of, in fact, that's why I call it Election of Duty. We had not, we had elected this guy to be our commander-in-chief, not once, but twice, Corey. We had elected him twice to be our commander-in-chief, and the guy just didn't give a shit. And
1: no, no, absolutely. And, and what, so, let me ask you this: I got so many, di- I got so many different questions uh, in regards to this. You lived with the, you lived with Bill and Hillary for two years in the White House. You saw everything. What was the most corrupt thing you witnessed firsthand, right in front of your eyes, with with the, with this with, with these two, Bill and Hillary?
5: Well, I would tell you that every single day was different. Uh, there was always something, uh, you know. Always something cooking uh, on the back burner in terms of like, like when I got there, it was Whitewater. Uh, it was, you know, it was Monica Lewinsky. It was Paula Jones. I mean, literally every single day that I walked into the white house, walked, came, up, came upstairs from my bedroom. I was in the East wing and I downstairs and I would come up to my office in the East wing upstairs, literally every single day, there was something different. Um, I mean, I, I could talk about Hillary and her, her disdain for the military I could talk about Bill and his penchant for women. I could talk about Whitewater. I could talk about, um, you know, I think one of the things that got lost and all that. We're talking about. We're talking a lot about China these days, right? With uh, the coronavirus, one of the big things that went unreported in the 1990s was, and this got lost in the shuffle with um, Monica Lewinsky, was that when 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 Bill Clinton was running for re-election in 1996, and I was there that summer. What Bill Clinton did – so he was taking fundraising. He was taking uh, foreign dollars uh, from China and Singapore, which is illegal. And what he did was he he used uh, U.S. military technology. So he had the Loral Corporation, which is a U.S. uh, corporation that does um, missile targeting uh, and missile weapon systems. And he sold that technology to China. Uh, he gave it to China in exchange for campaign fundraising for his re-election campaign of 1996. And to me, to me, the big crime – well, he, he, he lied under oath about, about Monica Lewinsky, which we all know about. That's why he got impeached. But to me, the biggest crime was not so much lying under oath and committing perjury about Monica. It was about the fact that he used uh, – he gave military technology to – uh, an enemy communist china uh, in exchange for fundraising for his own reelection campaign now if that had happened today if that had happened to the president trump they they keep trying to pin this stuff on trump about uh about russia well bill clinton did that and got away with it in the 1990s so that kind of, that was probably the biggest scandal that he never got held accountable for uh in my time there, I mean I'm sure looking back now, I mean knowing the two of them as as I do personally, um, the fact that they used the Clinton Foundation when he left and she left the Senate and they used the Clinton Foundation to, in my mind, um, launder money from foreign companies, uh, foreign countries like Saudi Arabia and Haiti, um, to to, to to feather their own uh pocketbooks and wallets. I mean they're in my mind, I mean, they're just probably they, they started this. In, in my opinion, Corey, they started this 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 um, this dirty politics where you you shoot the messenger, you trash people, you you use your influence like Hillary did when she was Secretary of State. You sell you sell influence, right? You sell you sell access, which is what she did with Russia, uh, getting her getting her husband these huge speaking deals. Uh, in Russia, in exchange for giving Russia 20% of our, our uranium stores. Um, the fact that the Fusion GPS, when she was running for the presidency, uh, Fusion GPS paid in uh, uh, you know, and, and Russia millions of dollars to create this false dossier, which is what Donald Trump's been, been fighting for four years now. I mean, literally, wherever yeah. the Clintons go, Corey, I mean, wherever they go, the uh, scandal... And crime follows. And I'm, right. not, I'm still walking around. I'm still walking around. I'm, ha- you know, and, and uh, talking about it. And running for office now. Writing books about it. And, and I think that uh, looking back on it, uh, I'm 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 happy to be walking around. <laughs> my wife's happy. I'm still walking around. And my kids are too. <laughs> uh, but they're been vind- they're vindictive, and, and they will do anything and everything it takes to silence critics.
1: Well, how, how do we – now let me ask you this. How do you explain the, the Clinton body count? Because whenever anybody you know, wants to bring that up in a situation, a lot of times they get called conspiracy theorists and they get called you know, uh, just people, you know, just liars. But in reality, almost 50 people have gone missing uh, under, uh, you know, under their supervision. I mean think about Vince Foster. They said he shot himself in the back of the head i I don't think so, and think about you know all all these different things Seth rich um think about right. um i I can go I don't have the list in front of me. I was reading it the other day,
5: but there's a lot of names on there. well, it's probably up around seventy seventy five now um i saw the, I saw a list the other day, I think it's around seventy. I've got no uh direct knowledge of anybody specifically, but I will tell you this um you know where there's smoke, there's fire. And the coincidences. I mean, there there's been so many people associated with eclipses that have either committed suicide or have disappeared, Uh, or were were involved. Like Seth Rich was involved in a you know uh, apparently a robbery. They didn't take anything. So they didn't uh, take anything. They
1: left him there. Everything was still. All his belongings still in his
5: pockets. Yeah. I there's just again I don't have specific knowledge but I will tell it but I will tell you my opinion and my opinion is they're capable of doing just about anything anytime anywhere and uh you know I got to the White House after Vince Foster I mean I I, I was there talking to secret service guys and girls and around the White House for those two years and never had direct confirmation but it all just kind of seemed um very um messy to me, very, you know, uh, just didn't, did, did, didn't add up. And I also remember, and I put this in my first book, as a matter of fact, so remember when Vince Foster, quote unquote, committed suicide. So there was a bunch of files that went missing from his office, and uh, they were missing for years. And I talk about this in their election of duty. So Hillary had a box of files that she kept up in the residence, in the White House, that very few people were allowed to either see access, or move around. I was one of the few people that had the ability to, to – she would, she would call me up and say, would you put these files on Marine One, Air Force One, and I, I would do that. They were in an opaque, opaque uh, plastic um, filing box, and I never, I never took it on myself, obviously not to – I mean, I was a military guy. I didn't want to delve into what was going on there. But it was all, always, always struck me as being very curious. Uh, that she carried around this box of files, and she did it for years and years and years. Um, in fact, as, as we talk today, Corey, I bet you they're in her closet. If she's in Chappaqua, or I mean, I don't know where she hangs out these days, uh, but I'm sure those those same files are somewhere within her reach. And and that's how they operate. They're they're very they're very clandestine. They're very. The one thing I will tell you about the Clintons that I that I and this is not a positive thing but uh I'll, I'll, this is kind of a negative thing but but they're brilliant they have a brilliant political machine behind them and they they have a a group of people that are very loyal to them uh that they surround themselves with that and they will they will they can circle the wagons and they can um they can suppress uh, information that control the press in a lot of ways and uh in that part to me being around him and her for those two years, that part to me was, this struck me as being brilliant because they, no matter what they faced in terms of scandal or, you know, um, criticism, they had a team of people who would respond and and protect them. And it still goes on today. It really is
1: mind blowing. I mean, it's and what was the whole, were there women always around and drugs always around? I mean, with the, was Bill, you know, living that kind of lifestyle, like they say in a lot of books? Like, was it
5: was it kind of rowdy
1: in that White House?
5: Well, you know, I, 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 can't, I can't comment about the drugs. I never saw that personally. And what I can say is that when Hillary was around, the White House was um, an entirely different place to live. So it was uh, much quieter, much more sedate. Uh, he actually would be on time to events. And when she wasn't there, <laughs> it, was a, it was a frat party. You know what I mean? So, uh, especially on, like on Air Force One, for example, I flew with on Air Force One all around the world with him. So, if he was on right. Air Force One and Hillary, Hillary was not there, it was a frat party. And if she was there, he was much more calm and composed and, and not able to be himself, basically. <laughs> so she always kept she always kept it always kept her thumb on him, and especially when he got caught with Monica. So, when when that uh-huh. happened, which I was I was there that day that and I was there. I remember distinctly what happened that day when that happened in january of 1998 um she became a co-president and basically told him what to say what not to say where to be what where not to be i mean i remember though back in those days it was all about you know the vast right-wing conspiracy and he was out there saying i did not have sex with that woman mr lulinski that was all hillary was orchestrating that from a to z so you know it was uh I never saw, I never saw drug use. I never saw, um, uh, you know, I, I did see every once in a while getting a little, him getting a little tipsy, uh, right. And, you know, and, and, you know getting, having a little bit too much to drink. Um, right. But, you know, my job was just to be there and keep him out of trouble and secret service guys that I was hanging out with. They were, they were my sanity, quite frankly. Uh, you know, cause I, I, they were, like me, they were, they were you know, most of them had military backgrounds. Most of them were disciplined. They were there also not to serve him or her. They were there to serve the office uh, of the White House and the presidency. So I, those guys and girls and I got along great because we had a lot in common. Um, so we would, you know, we would sit on sit the sidelines and, and, and compare a lot of notes, uh, talk about a lot of stuff. But when it came to being around the Clintons and making sure that they were protected, that the country was protected. The nation was protected in terms of military. That was my job, and I did it. I did it well. I didn't. I didn't open my mouth to say anything until I retired in 2001. And again, wrote Dalek's interview. That's what. That was my. That was my. Um, my therapy. That was me getting out there and saying, "Okay, I can talk now for the first time in 20 years." And here it is. Uh, and I, you know, and it's not a kiss and tell book. It's not. Um, Roy, you know, I don't. I don't. I just talk about. Very objectively, I'm a military guy. I'm a military officer. I'm a pilot. I've been all over the world. I've flown in combat. I had this two-year assignment. wasn't my idea. They asked me to come work at the White House. I didn't apply for the job. They asked me, um, so I went there. I was I was loyal, was faithful, kept safe. I kept the nation safe. I left, and then I retired. And now here it is. I'm going to put it all all out there for you. And that's uh, why I started writing books.
1: And. and let me ask you this part of it, you know, the whole Epstein Island thing, you know, there were multiple reports. And I think everybody's curious about this multiple sources and, and newspapers came out with stories saying that um, Epstein Island, uh, he would try to ditch secret service and uh, he would, you know, take off on his own. And whether it was there Epstein Island or all these various trips, Can you speak on that a little bit?
5: Yeah, well, that Epstein – I saw Epstein around uh, Clinton uh, in my time there. I left in 98, so I left just prior to the impeachment in the fall of 98. So uh, Bill Clinton was not going to Epstein Island as far as I'm concerned. In fact, I would have known for sure if he had gone. So that actually happened after my time there. Now – and I knew where he was 24-7 for those two years. So there's no way that happened under my watch. Between 98 and 2001, when he left the office, I can't talk to that. Um, he certainly is capable of that kind of behavior. I'll tell you that. Uh, but I can't. In my time there, I knew where the guy was 24-7 around the clock. I mean, I had a, I had a computer screen in my bedroom of my office that told me exactly where he was. And if he was leaving the White House, he might have snuck out without me knowing uh, in the middle of the night. I never saw that. Um, and I was always with him on Air Force One, Marine One, around the world. So if that happened, I, if, I, if I was, was going to speculate, uh, that probably happened after he left the White House because there's just too much, there's too much scrutiny. There's too much, um, there's too much of a presence of where he is around the clock as the president, which I'm sure is the same thing today with President Trump. So if that happened, it had to have happened after he left the office. Um, so in my time there, I can't confirm I uh, can't confirm anything, uh, but I'm telling you I, what I can confirm is his behavior is certainly um, certainly fit that that uh, that profile. Uh, but in my time there, I never uh, he again. I was by the guy's side 24/7, and I never saw or heard uh, him doing anything like that. And if he had, I would have certainly spoken out about it. But he. Not my time there it's, it, I get that that's my that's my testimony, not my time there.
1: Amazing, amazing stuff. Well Buzz, I could talk to you all day, but I, I do got to let you go, but tell everybody where they can connect with you, where they can get involved with your campaign, all that good stuff.
5: Well, thanks, Rory. yeah, so um, I'm all over social media so um, I'm on Twitter at Buzz Patterson, Facebook at Buzz Patterson uh, my campaign, website is buzz, B-U-Z-Z, the number four, Congress, buzz, the number four, congress.com. Uh, we're running in Sacramento. We would I would love to talk to people. Um, and just, you know, our, our campaign so far, Rory, so we're – it's a national campaign. So President Trump in the White House has picked off a whole bunch of seats they want they want to flip uh, this coming November. in my district, District 7 in California, is one of the six they see in california so we're going to flip it so we're making about 85 percent of our fundraisers coming from out of state so if your listeners can go to my website or our campaign website and i don't care what they can give that it all helps uh or they can ask me questions like for example right now tonight california is on lockdown so uh, i'm sitting here in my uh my bed with my wife watching tv and talking about doing social media for our campaign we can't go on the trail right now so we're we want our we want our primary, but we can go out and shake hands and talk to people uh, for the foreseeable future. So, if people want to hit me up on social media, by all means do that. Or they can email me at buzzforcongress.com. And again, um, we're going to give President Trump the house back here in November, and I'm going to be part of that uh, part of that movement.
1: Absolutely, amen. And Buzz, we're rooting for you. I'll pr- I'm praying for you. Uh, we need guys you like in. We need guys like you in there protecting our president. Uh, you're, you're a true patriot, and um, keep up the good work, my friend. Let's talk soon.
5: Yep, you bet, Rory. Thanks so much. You, you keep up the good work, too. Man. You're doing a great job. We really appreciate it.
1: All right. Thank you, Buzz. We'll talk soon. Cheers, man. Have a good night. Okay. God bless. Take care. All righty. I do want to welcome to the show now, I, bl- I believe we have with us, former senior director at National Security Council and former Pentagon chief of staff, Uh, Robert Spaulding. Robert, how are you? Welcome. First time on the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You have quite the resume. Very impressive guy. You've done a lot in your life.
6: Yeah, I retired from the Air Force after almost 27 years, about a year ago, Um, and the last real five or six years of my career were focused on the uh, U.S.-China competition in the area of economics and finance and, and information. And, uh, you know, I, I worked at the Pentagon advising the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of, Chat, of Staff on uh, China. I was a defense attache and senior defense official in Beijing and then uh, senior director for strategy at the White House, where I worked on the national security strategy and a lot of the policies with regard to China now. Uh, and I just recently retired a year, a little over a year ago and wrote a book called Stealth War, where it really documents kind of the back ground and context for why we've uh, instituted a number of the policies we have with regard to china so i'm focused on educating and advocating for you know this decoupling from the chinese communist party that's been going on
1: absolutely absolutely and and, you know i I definitely want to talk to you a lot about china and, and what we've been dealing with in that scenario but tell us about your time with at the national security council and pentagon that has to be quite the experience man has to be i mean that's a that's a once in a lifetime i mean that's as high profile as it gets man
6: well the 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 pentagon was interesting because i had a team of china experts you know people that lived in china you know all military officers that had been uh, spoke chinese and really understood the government and and the party well and uh we worked for two solid two years on trying to understand you know, how do we create a strategy that benefits uh, the United States going forward? Uh, and then at the Pentagon or at the White House, I was able to, you know, put a lot of those, uh, a lot of that work into action into the national security strategy. So it was a tremendous honor and, uh, and, a, and a great time. And the last, you know, six months of my time there, I did a really focused study on 5G. And of course, um, you know, really got to understand how politics works in in DC, as a telco uh, industry, really worked to uh, expose what I was working on. It was leaked to the press, and and really, uh, you know, worked to push me out. Uh, as a result, but you know, it was uh, it was overall a good thing because it exposed uh, the danger of um, Huawei that's been you know in the press now, and and the challenges with regard to 5G.
1: And, and let me add, you know, and obviously, I we see how. You know, with, with, national, with national security and, and just with everything that's gone on and transpired and, and all the stuff that's been revealed and the corruption, you know, how, are you worried about the, the future of the government, especially with certain people that are still in there that probably shouldn't be? I mean, look at how Comey, look at how all these people, Brennan, you know, Mueller, uh, all these people that have been, you know, and they're, they're just the tip of the iceberg, in my opinion. I mean, you got a pile up swamp there that's been going for years and years and trump's done a good job about clearing out you know quite a bit of it but still significant over there don't you agree
6: yeah and i think um part of it if you go back to the end of the eisenhower administration he um he gave a speech where he talked about beware the undue influence of the military industrial complex and i think today uh, when you think about national security and you think about the power of data uh, and artificial intelligence and, and these large tech companies and how um, they have such power in your life to influence you, and then you realize that countries like uh, the Chinese uh, and the Chinese Communist Party have adopted a lot of these same uh, technologies and business models uh, in their large tech companies are using those to influence um, people. It's it's a really powerful and dangerous thing for democracy. But you know we've spent uh, we spend 800 billion dollars a year on defense, uh, and most of that money never really goes to protect American people in those areas. You know, so industrial policy, economics, finance, trade, uh, information, data, how your data is being used mm-hmm. to uh, influence you, all of that is part of what I you know consider to be really the, the the current state of national security in the 21st century. It's far more focused on data rather than geography. Kai-Fu Lee, who's the leading artificial intelligence re- researcher in China, really says that, you know, China is to data as Saudi Arabia is to oil. So they're far more focused on, you know, how do we, how do we get uh, data, which is a strategic, re- strategic resource in the 21st century and use that to, uh, to create economic dominance and, and, and really influence uh, people.
1: No, no, absolutely. And, and let me ask you this: so this whole Corona thing, you know, I, I have a lot of different theories on it. You know, I think one of the, the theory, you know, one of the big speculations, and, and one of the things I strongly think is that we beat them so bad in the trade deal, uh, their economy is suffering worse than it's ever. Uh, has and i think in like what 50 60 years i mean the last the last time i checked trump said it was pretty bad and then i looked at the numbers and i mean they they are they are hurting and, and think about how no leader has ever accomplished uh you know that sort of defeat i mean they they really got it they excuse my french their ass is handed to them uh, by donald trump and uh i think this whole corona thing you know is somewhat of a payback you know i i I don't want to blame one person, but I think there's people high up and that government over there and especially other billionaire elites, even from America, that probably were all getting together. And, and you know, I, I, I think just something doesn't seem right. I mean, look at the timing. And all of a sudden, you know, everybody's trying. They've, they've tried all these different things to sink the Trump economy. And I think this is like one of their last hurrahs in election season, coronavirus I mean the timing is really odd, don't you think?
6: Well, I think um, – yeah, I mean the, the, the challenge it, it, is really and here's understanding one more, here's one um, more what point. the truth is.
1: Robert, one more point I just want to make real quick. We, we see how the coronavirus had a patent on it. It's owned by a corporation, and we see how these pharmaceuticals uh, – you know, they, they, this stuff, I, I strongly believe just like AIDS. It doesn't just accidentally appear. But go ahead. Sorry.
6: No, I think that, um, you know, the challenge is really understanding what exactly happened. So, you know, I don't think we're ever going to know because the Chinese aren't going to let our uh, CDC researchers in to actually find out what is the truth. I, mean, I think that's just the bottom line. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the true answer is, but um, I don't dispute the fact that. You know, it it was uh released or, you know, it was uh you know, first appeared in the same city where you have a um a a research facility uh where they're doing coronavirus research. Um and the fact that they did have a paper that was released that talked about creating the virus that um was uh could infect humans. These are all you know, obviously suspicious um things. And then, of course, they destroyed uh, a lot of the first samples of, you know, when, the, uh, when they first detected the coronavirus. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely suspicious.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, and what do? You, how do you over... There's a little noise in the background. Is it on speaker?
3: Nope.
1: Um, I was going to ask you, though, how do you analyze the overall trade deal? Because you're, you're an expert on China uh that that trump you know prevailed on i mean you know with holding them accountable and and really sticking it to them because for the longest time in every single department uh, in a lot of ways we were getting taken advantage of by china left and right
6: well the the trade deal um of course uh was much more extensive in the beginning it was 150 pages uh, and And the Chinese leadership essentially tore up fifty pages of the uh, agreement and refused to sign it and so the you know the deal that we have now, the Phase one deal, is really not a deal uh, so much as it's a an attempt to uh, come to a compromise prior to the election. so it's not really um, it could be construed as getting anywhere near to um, what we would consider a fair and reciprocal or that has, you know, um, you know, mechanisms that allow us to enforce a structural change in the Chinese economy, which is what's needed in order for us to have a continuing relationship with China. I mean, essentially, what they've been doing for um, the last 25 years is uh, creating this uh, parasitic. Relationship with our economy, where they they've been essentially bleeding us, and uh, and almost to the point where the nation was going bankrupt. If you go back to our um, the Cold War when we were uh, competing with the Soviet Union, you know the whole goal was to bankrupt them. And essentially, what the Chinese have have achieved by using globalization and the internet is to is to get in the same position that we found ourselves. In with regard to the Soviet Union. And so uh, they were choking us out. And this, this trade, uh, phase one trade deal is an attempt to kind of stem that but the truth of the matter is the Communist Party is not going to give up uh, their position. And so, you know, the, the more that we can essentially cut ties with them economically, financially, trade wise, uh, the better off we're going to be because um, they are going to continue to create this, this uneven playing field where our companies can't compete in China, and their companies are essentially subsidized to, to beat our companies here at home.
1: And what, let me ask you this. What do you see as the biggest threat? You know, Because obviously China in, in many ways is so many uh, years and, and levels ahead of us on, on all these industries. What do you see the biggest threat from them?
6: Well, it's clearly – so if you go back to 2007 when the iPhone came out, uh, we still had an industrial economy at that time. So the top companies in market capitalization were AT&T, General Electric, ExxonMobil, Shell, and Microsoft. And uh, when the iPhone came out and then shortly thereafter, 4G networks started being built, uh, we went rapidly within 10 years – to where Facebook, Amazon, and Google became some of the top companies in the world, and we shifted to an information economy. What the Chinese have been doing since about 2009 is anticipating and building for the time when, you know, the 5G networks would start to be deployed, and what that does is take away the platform from the smartphone, so it takes it away from Android and Apple and actually builds that computing into the network and that's so that you can go you know walk outside your door not use your phone to open an app to get an uber but just say uber and a camera picks up your face does facial recognition reads your lips and sends you a car that's that's what 5g is now in 2017 when i was a defense attache in beijing elements of that world were already being built in china so you could order your food on WeChat and then walk into a restaurant and the camera in the restaurant would pick up your fa- face, do facial recognition, and the server would hand you your food and greet you by name. So what they're trying to do is essentially use that dominance in data in five, in the 5G world to pole vault Baidu, Alibaba, and Tencent, which is the, uh, the, the equivalent of Facebook, Amazon, and Google, into a leading position globally. And then... What they do is not only do they have that data, that that data about you uh, as you walk around the city and as you buy things to, you know, essentially influence you to buy more stuff, they also use that data to collect intelligence and, and do uh, influence operations. So the way it works, uh, it, this was demonstrated in the run-up and to, in the aftermath of the 2016 elections. By the russians where they use artificial intelligence bots social media networks and big data to you know create protests they created a protest right after the election in new york city um it was you know supposedly black lives matter but it was actually the russians and so this ability to use these same um technologies and business models not just for economic dominance but also for influencing the population is what they're going for and And they do this all over the world. You know, they were just doing it in Taiwan prior to their elections as well.
1: Yeah, it's it's insane. I mean, it's absolutely insane. And um, I I do got to let you go, but I love having you on. I want to get you on back again soon. Uh, You know, I could talk to you all day. There's a lot of things I I definitely want to um, address with you and kind of put on the table. But I do got to get to the next guest. But tell everybody where they can find your book where they can connect with you, all that good stuff.
6: Well, the book is uh, you know, available on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, the major uh, booksellers. Uh, it's called Stealth War, How China Took Over While America's Elites Left. And um, I, I'm on Twitter, Robert underscore Spaulding, and then on Instagram and YouTube, General Spaulding.
1: Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you for – and thank you for your service, General, and thank you for everything you do. Uh, you've lived quite the life, and uh, I definitely want to uh, get you back on this program here probably in the next couple of weeks or so. Sounds great. All righty. Have, have a great night. Take care. Uh, I do want to welcome to the show – make sure – I just want to see – let's see here. I believe – Uh, Let's go to uh, Sam Tolley I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts my friend Go ahead I'm sorry about not getting to you earlier I'm still getting to everybody on the panel But you have the floor
2: All right, Roy I'll try to I'll try to make it quick for the sake of other folks You know it's interesting He's talking about Hillary talking about Voting by mail I think Klobuchar was asking the same thing And if the Democrats got to do that I mean they'd win it all It wouldn't even be any uh, Election worth talking about That because they cheated is vastly more than they normally do, so that's not even an issue. We would never consider that. What was interesting was when this talk about Cleveland releasing, uh, Cleveland and and, uh, Philly releasing criminals. This past weekend, I decided to visit my neighborhood gun range. Every now and then, I like to sharpen my eye, and as I pulled up, uh, yeah. I pulled up in the parking lot. I noticed that the parking lot was packed. And see, my gun range is a small gun shop that has a shooting range down below. My assumption was that the the range was going to be busy. Uh, but when I walked inside, you no, know, there weren't those many people shooting down below. There were folks buying guns. They were buying guns up to Ying Yang. Uh, I had even visited a friend of mine when I came back from... Uh, uh, Las Vegas, <clears throat> and he showed me a couple of guns that he purchased. He has another residence in Mississippi, uh, where he's looking to get a concealed carry. And he said, you you could tell by the sign of the times that we need uh, to protect ourselves more. Now here we have New York with that draconian law. They set out letting criminals that even rob folks, breaking the houses, out of jail. We got these cities letting folks out of jail. And we got all these uh, Democrats, like I said, in the mirror of uh, Baltimore, begging criminals not to shoot each other so they can have bed space for corona uh, victims. And we got all these Democrats wanting to take our guns. Uh, And their line used to be that you don't need guns for, for hunting, which, of course, that's not the purpose that the Second Amendment was written in the first place. But if anything, people need to pay attention. They need to pay attention to the fact that uh, these cities are losing control of the situation. It's only by the compliance of the American people that we don't have anarchy in the streets. And so citizens like me, they, need, they want their guns. They're going to keep their guns. They say, "What well, we have over 300 million guns in America. We have more guns than we have citizens. If we wanted to destroy this country, we could. But law-abiding citizens don't act that way. And what I'm looking for is reciprocity. I'm looking for a lawsuit to come down in the federal uh, courts stating that just like they decided they want to have same-sex marriage, which is an abomination and an affront to God, uh, reciprocal throughout the nation, they should have concealed carry reciprocal throughout the nation. So in states like mine, in California, where unless you're rich and famous, or, or <laughs> you, you can never— uh, have a weapon uh, to conceal with, carry, that they would force these uh, states to allow the citizens to protect themselves. Does anyone with any common sense realize that the states in which they are concealed carry are less violent than the ones that they take the weapons away from the law abiding citizens? Because the criminals and the police, they have their weapons. It's those of us that obey the laws that don't have it. So that stuff is, is you know is nonsense and it's time for people to wake up. Now one thing I, you know I was thinking, thinking about your guest Corey early on when he was talking about uh, <clears throat> this thing about these different racial groups and uh, how white people are not being uh, uh, what's the word I want to use they don't have their own interest group well. Conservative Black folks don't have their own interest group in Washington D.C. either. You know, we don't. You know, the the Congressional Black Caucus does not stand up for for conservative Black folks or for biblical Black folks as 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 that uh, thing goes. And and let me explain you something. This this ideology or this this thought process that's going out about uh, liberals. I mean, when 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 they're talking, excuse me if I'm mumbling. This thing about demonizing white people uh, from a racist perspective, this is a tool that's used by liberals, whites and blacks, and that tool of separation really is not separating conservative folks. It's It's separating conservative folks from liberal folks and keeping those black liberals on the plantation because if they can instill fear into these people, even though they, they will sit up here, I'm talking about the white liberals now, will sit up here and demonize themselves or demonize white folks, they're really planting in these other folks' mind. yeah, these white folks are racist, but these very same white folks is telling them that other white folks is racist are keeping them subjugated to that same slave mentality in the Democratic Party. You know, and I've told people this time and time again, and this goes right in line with the Second Amendment. These same people that promote this stuff are the same people that tell you that you don't need guns, and these are also the same people that tell you that the the police are your enemy. So, so while they're they're they're, they're feeding these folks all this cognitive dissonance, they're they're having them uh, say, yeah, we you know if we trust in you, although you're a white person, but you're not those those white people that, that, that are subjugating us. But, but at the same time, uh, since we trust in you, uh, we're, we're going to allow you to go ahead and, and keep fighting to get rid of our guns, although you're telling us that the police are racist. Now, if the police are racist and these white folks are racist and other conservative black folks are racist, who are these folks going to call when they get in trouble, if they don't have their own guns? And like I said before, they can't call Ghostbusters. So you know it's it's a real intricate web of of confusion, but it's not really that confusing when you when you when you look at the situation because you keep these people mind locked, and 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 the reality of the situation is this: we need to all just be American citizens. We need to get away from this racial mentality, and we need to, and particularly those of us that believe in the Word of God, those of us that are biblical people. Race got nothing to do with it. You're neither uh, uh, free or slave or Greek or whatever, according to the Bible. The only color that matters is the, is the color of Jesus' blood. And he shed that for each and every one of us that decide to take that into consideration as far as he is our Lord and Savior. So we, Christians, we don't care about what co- folks you, color you look like. We don't care about any of that stuff. All we care about is if you treat me right, I'm going to treat you right. We care about this nation. We care about this president, and I thank God for the president we have right here. And even though you didn't touch on it, I want to do this real quick. You think about the fact that right now in America it looks like Donald Trump, the the man that has led this country for the last three and a half years, the man that they, they said was mentally deficient, crazy, homophobic, sexist, xenophobic, any kind of phobics you want, and the man that was trying to put a, a, a wall up on this southern border. Now, there ain't nobody complaining about it now because they're scared half to death about what's coming in. Uh, this man is, 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 is the leader, and he's been leading. He's been leading uh, strongly in this crisis, and they want to elect Joe Biden, a guy that doesn't even know that he's here half the time. You know, the news media knows full well that Joe has lost his mental facilities. And and, and I think they got rid of Bernie. I'm not worried about him no more. But they want to elect this guy that is losing it mentally just to get rid of Trump. But the president that we have is doing the job. And I thank God that he's here at this point in time, and I thank that uh, God has put him here at this point in time. And we need to just stay vigilant. We need to pray for him. We need to pray for this nation. And we need to make sure that all conservatives and God-fearing folks vote for him to get him back another four years. And I'm going to let it go at that.
1: And correct me if I'm wrong, is where you're at in California, I've just been hearing reports. Are you guys all on lockdown?
2: Or is yeah, it just we just heard this afternoon that uh, the governor want everybody to stay home. That's why I was saying, you know, just like I heard the other gentleman talking about these people hoarding stuff. Now, I have food. i got plenty of food. I've had food in the house. I don't worry about it. Frankly, I'm a Costco regular. I had, you know, I had borrowed a case of toilet paper a month ago, you know, because I like to keep right. extra. It wasn't like I needed <laughs> it. But, but eggs, you can't, I can't find the egg. You know, I went to a fast food restaurant just because I wanted an egg. But... You know, I've learned, you know, I, I can survive this thing. But, yeah, they want us to stay home. They want the kids to stay home. They want everybody to stay home. Um, and, see, that's another thing. If you're home and you ain't got no gun and some fool come around, what you going to do? I'm a strong advocate for the Second Amendment. I'm a strong advocate for self-defense. I'm a strong advocate for the Bible. And this situation, to me, like I said, this, is, this, this kind of situation that they're bringing fear Uh, Is not the thing that a Christian Should be afraid of The only thing we should be afraid of Is not seeking him who's in control of all things And that's what we should do Is just pray for this nation Pray for our president And stay vigilant and we'll be fine
1: Amen, amen Sam, tell everybody where they can connect with you
2: They can reach me uh, At my webpage Inhimfirst.com Or Samuel Tolley T-O-L-L-E-Y On Facebook Or Twitter, or my YouTube.
1: Alrighty, my. Alrighty, my friend. Always a pleasure.
2: Thank you next week. Have
1: a good one. All right, you too. God bless. Um, I want to give. I want to give you the last couple minutes. Um, I got about. I can give you about three minutes. I just want to know what's on your mind. I do got to close the show though, but I wanted to make sure I got your got your voice.
4: I appreciate it. Your, the people you had on the night was awesome I could sit and listen to them for a while So uh, very quickly we could, I could talk about two things uh, And I'll throw Wilson out very quickly I think the majority of the states are waiting For some Democrats to get arrested I think we all know they have been problems there You talked about it uh, With the Clintons and etc And then with the Coronavirus that's going around I just saw and we talked about the toilet paper thing. 18,000 pounds of toilet paper was stolen out of a semi-truck
2: here in North <laughs> Carolina.
4: Toilet paper. Jesus stolen Christ. Toilet paper. Wow. So, you know, all of it's kind of crazy, but the people you had on today, I mean, they were really top-notch. So people need to be listening to you because you're giving some good information out that people need to, to, be, need to be listening to, especially when you heard all the stuff about the Clintons.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely, one hundred percent. And what? What? You, you had yeah. another thought, real quick. Do what now? You had another thought, real quick, and give you about another minute. Close. Oh no, those
4: those those are the two things. I mean, I was just listening to them. They were, like I said, they were really good. I just think people need to calm down. Let's get through this, and let's get back doing the things that's really important. But right now, everybody needs to take uh, take some time. And this is a good thought. People are having to homeschool their kids right now. I think it's awesome. Right. We homeschooled our boys for a while. Why don't they take yeah. some time since they're homeschooling, do a little research, yeah. sit down with their kids, and go over really what history is about in America. Go over with them yeah. and talk with them about why we have a constitution, why we have the amendments, why the First Amendment is important, why the Second Amendment is important. The last man was talking about gun rights. I got held up at gunpoint. Now I go everywhere, everywhere I go. I've got a gun on me. Uh, yeah, because my job is to protect my family, and even right absolutely. now with all this going on, uh, yeah. I had one person I know that works for the police department, and they said, yeah. you know, just we're we're waiting for people to start doing some crazy things here, and so you know, I, just be protected. Yep,
1: yeah, absolutely. I do got I do got to run. Tell everybody quickly yes. where they can find you. I got about thirty seconds.
4: Two places you can follow me on Twitter at uh, at Rodney Evans, or also on YouTube at Real Life Discussions with Pastor Rodney Evans. Sounds
1: it's good. It's been an my honor to be on uh, today, we'll,
4: we'll,
1: sir. Absolutely. We'll get you back on in the, in the next, either next week or the week after. God bless.
4: It sounds good. Be blessed, man. We'll talk to you later.
1: Bye-bye. All right, everybody. It's been a fantastic show. I hope you all have a great weekend. Um, I'll see you on Tuesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern. I'm Rory Sauter. mega, mega, mega. God bless, everybody. Much love. Cheers.